Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 23, 23rd chapter of Psalms. I know that is not Proverbs. Kind of doing a little standalone uh, here this week before we jump into uh, the book of James next week. Looking forward to that. Going to be doing kind of standalone today from Psalm 23. There is a podcast I listen to called Dadville, where the subtitle is uh, funny, talk, or excuse, funny Talks and Deep Thoughts. And uh, it's two uh, believers, Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin. And uh, they, they're both actually recording artists as well. But they talk through life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. And uh, with, so with the, being a dad of two four-year-olds, it's a good podcast for me. Um, but they end every podcast with the same two questions, every single one. And they're, both questions are really lighthearted. Uh, the, the very last question is, uh, by the way, I should, they're not lighthearted at all, actually. The very last question is, what do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Which I, I joke that they're lighthearted because most often the, they interview different people on the show. And uh, most often the person interviewing says, wow, I thought we were going to have some difficult conversations here. That seems like an easy question. Like, totally kidding, right? That's a tough tough thought. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? But the question before it, I like just as much because it's still thought-provoking, but maybe a little less uh, dramatic or morbid, if you will. But the question before it is, what is one thing you want your kids to know? And the, the kind of given assumption for for Dave and John that are running this podcast is like, especially if they're talking to a believer, is that you would say, I want them to know Jesus. Like, absolutely, of course. So the, that, that being kind of a given in the, in the context of that podcast, what, what do you want them to know? Which is a kind of a fun question as a parent, like thought provoking. What is one thing I want my kids to know, to be able to, to have in their back pocket, to be able to cling to, to be able to remember even on their hardest days? But then it got me thinking about like us as believers, is there one thing that, that I would say, man, I feel like it, if you can have this in your back pocket, if you can cling to this, if you can remember this, it changes everything. Now, I want to be clear. All of, all of scripture is God's word. I'm not saying one part's more important than the other. But I also feel like if you just press me, Brandon, what is one thing I, I've got to know as I go out and live in this world? I, I feel like I might, one of the passages I would, push you to is Psalm 23. And if you hate that passage, today's not your day. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but man, such a great passage. When I say to have in your back pocket, to, have, to cling to, to remember, what I mean is, y'all, some days, even as a follower of Jesus, some days are hard, aren't they? Like, it's not, we, we want to, we want, we like the idea of the mountaintop, but that's not reality. I heard one time after a youth camp, uh, the person meant well, but they were telling our students, you know what, you can, you can live life on the mountaintop. Like, you don't have to come down. And I remember kind of kindly coming in behind and going, well, that's not really true. <laughs> like, you don't live on the mountaintop. Like, like ask, 
I don't know. Ask Jesus. Did he go through hard times? You reckon? <laughs> so just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean life is going to be easy. And what do you need to know on those hard days? Good days and the hard days. On those days where, man, you're, you're two weeks into school, you're in middle school, and you're going, dude, life? Middle school is rough. Or you're in high school and you find out that your, your parents are talking about getting a divorce. Or you're a college student and you just moved to Lubbock, you're a freshman, and you're like, man, Lubbock is awesome, but it's a little flatter than I thought it would be. Like, <laughs> or it's kind of just some dirt in the air. That's odd. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, you're coming, you're going, man, Lubbock's great, but I'm lonely. Like you've left your family, your friends, and maybe you don't know anybody. And so you're like, yeah, this, like one, one friend of ours who he's graduated tech now, but when he first came, my wife, Lauren saw, his name is Parker. He wouldn't care. Parker was standing by himself and Lauren went and talked to Parker and she said, Are you doing okay, man? And he said, 18 years. And they just drove away. <laughs> 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 he, he was kind of messing with her, but he was also serious. Like he was struggling. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. Maybe you've been in a role at work for, for nine or 10 years and you thought things are going really well. And all of a sudden your leader comes to you and says, hey, like we're, we're going to have to make a change or we're going to make a restructure. But in your heart, you just hear demotion or like job change, new company. Or maybe you, you had to go to the doctor this week or last week and they've got to run some tests because of the C word, cancer. Or maybe like these sweet folks we mentioned a second ago, you've actually lost someone you love dearly. All of us go through hardship and valleys. I feel like just kind of as your pastor friend here, a pastor friend here. If you can have Psalm 23 tucked in your heart as a believer, as a Christian, you're going to be all right. So what does it say? <laughs> Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a little tiny word is, but a really big part of our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. Not was yesterday, not used to be back in the good old days on the mountaintop, not maybe will be tomorrow when I get my act together. No, the Lord is my shepherd. Presently is my shepherd. There's two things here implied. So if God is our shepherd, that makes us what? Man, 9.30, you guys are already killing it. Way to go. Yeah, yeah. Way to go. You guys are sharp. Sheep. You know, I, I, growing up in Florida and not being around much uh, livestock, <laughs> besides sharks and alligators, I guess. I didn't, I had, after doing a little research, you, maybe you already knew this, but sheep, they, they don't do well on their own. You, you can't just leave them in a fence like, okay, buddy, here you go. Like, no, they need constant care. They need someone to provide shelter, someone 
to protect them, someone to provide food for them, someone to point them to water, someone to deal with injuries, someone to help them when they get sick. Sheep need a shepherd. But the problem is, or the, rea- excuse me, the reality is, sheep need a good shepherd. If you just have a shepherd and they're a bad shepherd, you're not any better off, really. Like a, a bad shepherd, their, their sheep can still get hungry. Their, their sheep can still get weary from roaming around and not being led to proper sustenance. Their sheep can get thirsty and dehydrate. Their sheep can get parasites and bugs, which cause death. Their sheep get injured and don't get healed. You need a good shepherd. So it begs the question, who is our shepherd? Again, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, if you, if you notice there, I love pointing this out because you don't always see it, but if you see the Lord there, it, the capital L, but then also while they're smaller, O-R-D is capitalized. Your, your translation there is helping you see this is, the, this is the word in the Hebrew, Yahweh. This is God's personal name. This is his covenant keeping name. Why is that important? The Lord, the God of scripture, the, the, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the universe who flung the stars into space, the God who holds the universe in his hands, and the God who, even while he was on the cross, held the universe together. That God, the Lord, is your shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And because that, if you're a Christian, that's your shepherd, he is your shepherd, you can say the second line, I shall not want. I, I have everything I need. Now, now listen, there's a difference. There's a difference in I shall not want, I have everything I need, and I have everything I want, right? There's a difference. But I shall not want. <laughs> you know, mentioned this earlier a little bit, but being a Christian doesn't mean life is easy. It doesn't mean you always have what you want. I, I think many of the writers of scripture would tell you, tell you that being a Christian on this planet makes life a little bit harder. <laughs> Brings temptation, persecution. Well, temptation is there. You just, as a Christian, begin to fight it. <laughs> it's difficult. So I shall not want doesn't mean you're always gonna have everything you want and life will go well. No, it means that you are always under the expert care and management of your shepherd. And listen, friend, he sees what you need. And he's going to take care of you. Things may grow a little tight sometimes, a little thin sometimes. But if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You have everything you need. I love, I actually just saw this yesterday on Instagram. So I guess there's some good things that come from Instagram. <laughs> Pastor Louis Giglio says, if God says he will, he will. If God says he is, he is. If God says he has, he has. If God says he can, he can. And I would add to that, friend, if God says you shall not want, you shall not want. It's going to take care of you.
more than capable of taking care of you. What does it look like as he takes care of you? It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He's going to take you to places of nourishment and places where you can actually rest. In the more maybe literal translation of that second part of verse two is, he leaves me beside waters of rest or restful waters. Do you know that a sheep, at least from what I've studied in, in sheep in Israel, um, sheep can survive off of the dew on the grass for weeks. It doesn't sound like a diet I want to be on, but as far as the, the water, they can survive from the dew on the grass for weeks because it's a clean, pure water source there in the morning. But at some point, they got to drink, right? <laughs> you can sip on something, but eventually you, you got to gulp something down. And a sheep, particularly in Israel, where it's a very dry, arid climate, very rocky climate, or uh, terrain, I mean, the sheep needs, requires the shepherd to show them where the water is. Because if not, the sheep will end up just drinking water out of even like a pothole or water where there's parasites in it and make itself sick. If it will trust and wait on the shepherd, the shepherd will take it to quiet waters, waters of rest. Doesn't that sound good? Anybody need to lie down in green pastures? Anyone need to be led beside still waters? If you know Jesus, you have a shepherd. You have a shepherd. And he'll lead you to green pastures, to quiet waters. It says, he restores my soul. It's interesting. I think, at least, excuse me, at least if you're like me, when I read he restores my soul, I have this tendency to want to kind of flip off in my mind the sheep imagery and, still, and just think spiritual, which it is spiritual, but there's still actually some sheep imagery going on. He restores my soul. That word for restores is to return, to turn back. It's interesting. Not repent, like turn away from, but to, to, to turn back to what it should be. You ever heard of a cast sheep, a cast down sheep? Sheep, they're funny looking little creatures, by the way, <laughs> but Sheep, because of their circumstances, so maybe because of climbing up a certain rocky terrain, maybe it's slippery, they can fall and then get in a predicament where they can't get back up. Some of y'all felt that way recently, right? <laughs> like, or not because of their own circumstances, sometimes because of their own foolishness, they get comfortable laying down and some of them, their, their backs are so flat that once they get kind of on their side and on their back, they literally can't, they can't get over. They got these big tops, little bitty legs, and so they can't flip back over. So shepherd, this is like a real thing. Shepherds have to sometimes, when a sheep gets cast down like that, a shepherd has to come and flip it back up right side up. And often when he does that, you can, like, you can, you can YouTube this later. Don't do it now. Do it later. But the, the sheep at first, it so, because they've been on their back and even some of the gases that happen in their belly, they can die within hours if this happens, by the way, and it's too hot. But when they first get back on their feet, they're real wobbly and disoriented, but they eventually get their way. But it starts with the shepherd flipping them right side up. 
How many of us this morning, you feel like in your soul and in your relationship with God, you feel like you are on your back and you can't get up. You feel stuck and hopeless and without help. But if you know Jesus, you have a shepherd who delights in coming alongside you and flipping you right side up. How many of us, how often in our lives has Jesus, the good shepherd, had to come and say, all right, come here, little buddy, (laughs) and flip us right side up because we've lost our way or got stuck in our own comfort or got stuck in our own foolishness. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a shepherd who delights in restoring your soul. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You take a path, you don't just, you don't get um, transported by that. No, you take a path one step at a time. And that's what your shepherd does with you. He walks with you one step at a time in paths of righteousness. He leads you in what is right, the paths that are right to him. And praise God, he leads us on his paths and not our own paths. Now, in the moment when you're thinking, God, I, I don't know, I think we could choose that path. I think that path looks better. Isn't that silly, by the way? God, I know you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful. You see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, but God, I think you should listen to me on this one. Like, No, trust your shepherd. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness. It's for your good and for his glory. And why does he do it? It says, for his name's sake. Which that's, man, that's worth, that may seem like the most random part of this verse. You, that's a verse worth underlining. It's for his name's sake. Praise God. It's not because... Brandon, you're a good little sheep, so I'll lead you in the right path. Brandon, you're an awesome little sheep, so I'll lead you in the right path. No, if that was what it was dependent on, Brandon is not on the right path. (laughs) No, it says he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads you in what is right because he has a reputation to keep up as a good shepherd. You know what that means, friend? Jesus has never failed anyone yet. You won't be the first one he'll fail. (laughs) He will not fail you because he's a good shepherd. He leads you in what is right. Friends, you have a shepherd. Shepherds make all the difference. A guide, a shepherd. I remember Lauren and I had only been married a few months. I've been in Lubbock for a little over a year, been married a few months, and she had a friend get married up in Colorado. So we went to the wedding, and then we decided the next day we would go hiking at Rocky Mountain National Park. Well, being... um, Having grown up in Florida and now living in the flatlands, didn't have a whole lot of experience in the mountains. And so we decided to go hiking with pretty much nothing. <laughs> Just our, our cute little uh, newlywed selves. No, I think we may, maybe brought a Dasani water bottle, something like that. No snacks. Didn't have a map. Well, we get up there. And most of the trails at Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, are, are, are so, some of them are even almost paved, you could say. They're, they're so heavily traveled. But the reality is we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know how far we should go. We weren't sure where the inclines were and when, when we should choose to rest and when we should choose to relax. And after a few hours of one, just getting a little frustrated, we also began to get really hungry. <laughs> I remember when we finally made it back to the parking lot where there's a shuttle that leads you back to Estes or takes you, drives you back to Estes Park. Thank God for the shuttle. But we finally got, got back to that parking lot. We saw a park ranger station. And lo and behold, in that park ranger station through the window 
we saw a canister of animal crackers. <laughs> so I'm like, man, this is, we are saved. <laughs> like, God has seen our need. So uh, Lauren, I'm like, hey, you should go ask for animal crackers. Right? She's cute, pretty. Go, go see if they'll give you animal crackers. Lauren goes and asks for the animal crackers, and she got rejected. <laughs> yeah, shame on those park rangers. <laughs> like, we didn't get any, we didn't get any animal crackers. And we, like, we got back to Estes Park, and we're serious that we are, at this point, we are hungry, we are thirsty, we're irritated at each other. It's not good. A few years later, I got to go with our high school ministry to, to Noah's Ark, and when a, it's a, um, out, a Christian outfitter in Buena Vista, Colorado, and we went on a hike, but this time, they had guides. <laughs> and the guide said things like, hey, you should bring lots of water. Oh, the guide, there were a couple of them actually, and then they had these massive backpacks, and in their backpacks, they had food. <laughs> and yes, they did have some cheeses, but not just cheeses. They had like homemade food, like homemade apple bread. I don't even know what that is, but it's delicious. <laughs> and it was amazing. On the hike, they've got the backpacks, so you're just following the backpack wherever the food goes, I go. But they would tell us, like they would see our body language as a group and say, hey, like, we're, we're going to stop here for a minute and let you rest because there's a big incline coming up. See, even with the guides at Noah's Ark, it was still hard work. We still sweat a lot, still rained on us sometimes, looking out for bears, still dangerous sometimes. But the guide knew what to do. And so my experience at Noah's, while my wife wasn't there, if I'm honest, it was more enjoyable because we had a guide. She knows my heart. She knows what I mean. <laughs> a shepherd changes everything. Friend, if you know Jesus, you are not walking the trails of life alone. He will take care of you. You have a shepherd. I, I, I don't know, Brandon, sometimes it, it feels like life can be lonely and, and difficult and hard and dark. I'd say you're exactly right. And that's why Psalm 23 doesn't end in verse three. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So our first point was you have a shepherd. Our second point is really simple. You have a defender. You have a defender, someone who protects you, someone who looks after you. Uh, the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of darkness is maybe even a, a, another way you could translate that. So I'm walking through it and I will fear no evil. Wow. For sheep to, to think that, is quite interesting because in the valley, you've got to look out for predators. In the valley, you've got to look out for flash floods. When everything seems like it's okay, you don't even know it's raining somewhere, but suddenly it's flooding. In the valley, the sheep may can see up, but they can't see out. They may can see up to where safety is, but they don't always know how to get there. So he says, or why does he say, in the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. Is it because this sheep has been eating some extra protein and hitting the gym? <laughs> is it because this sheep is just, I'm just a really smart sheep? <laughs> no, he fears no evil because his shepherd is with him. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Friends, you may not always feel like your shepherd is with you, but I can promise you because God's word says so, even in the valley, your shepherd, your defender is with you. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, what a cool picture. See, the shepherd would carry a rod and a staff. Just kind of two purposes. One, to retrieve sheep when they lost away. Maybe they fell in a ravine or a crevice and they have to retrieve the sheep or, or help get them on their way to stay on the path or to beat off predators, to get them away. So the sheep looks at the shepherd, his rod, his staff, says, that comforts me. See, a lot of us, we're, we're, we're familiar with the idea of, of, of baby Jesus. Like we think about it at Christmas time, but this is like, Walker, Texas, Ranger Jesus, okay? <laughs> he protects you. He is more than capable of handling whatever life throws your way. Whatever evil the enemy, Satan, may try to put out your way, he can handle it. You have a defender. If you're like, Brandon, okay, like shepherd, defender, what do we do with all that? <laughs> you rest. How do I apply the fact that I have a shepherd? You rejoice. <laughs> how, how do I apply the fact that I have a defender? You learn to trust him. That even on your darkest night, he defends you. You have a shepherd, you have a defender. Now, verse five is interesting because it, it kind of, it, not kind of, it does. It shifts from this shepherd sheep imagery to, to something different. But I, I would tell you, it still has the context of difficulty. So just as the sheep was just in the valley of death, I think the natural transition that David is using there is still somewhat of a valley, of a hardship, of difficulty, of, of not seeing the bride of day, the hope of day yet. If you're not sure you believe me, let's read it. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What in the world? So God is preparing a table for us a table to, to delight in, the idea is like it's a table with food, a banquet table, but it's not tucked away in some nice little nook. It's not tucked away in a, a beautiful garden. No, it's tucked away in the presence of his enemies. That's what it says. So God's preparing a table, but I'm surrounded by my enemies. Y'all, that doesn't sound like good news, but that's the best news. <laughs> This is, this is saying God doesn't just want to 
invite you to dine with him on the good days. It's not just that like, oh, son, child, daughter, I delight in you when you do things right. No, even on your worst days, even when your enemies are knocking at your door, says, God says, child, my sheep, come and dine with me. Even in your worst hardships, God is nearer than ever before. Even when it feels like the enemies of life have taken everything from you, God prepares a table before you. Friend, our third point is you have a host. You have a host. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To anoint the head with the oil was a sign of welcoming, of blessing, of gladness. It's saying, you are an honored guest. I'm so glad that you are here. And and the cup that it mentions, my cup overflows. Biblical writers often would use the cup as a symbol of God's goodness, of his overflowing mercy and grace to us, that he gives us more than we could possibly imagine or even need. He's abundantly good to us. It says, because of that, I'm an honored guest. My cup overflows. You're so good to me. Surely, he results in praise. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do I don't know about you, but there are days when it feels like everything but goodness and mercy are following us around, right? Hard times at work. Maybe your debt seems like it's following you around. Maybe your past sins seem like they're following you around. Regardless of what you feel, here's the reality. There's two things that every day, if you are a Christian, are pursuing you, are chasing you at your heels, wanting to take hold of you, and that is God's mercy and grace, his goodness. If you are a believer and Jesus is your shepherd, your defender, your host, you know his goodness and mercy follow you every day. So much so that even if your valley leads to physical death, that your shepherd will lead you still through that valley where you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, whatever value you're in, your shepherd, your defender, your host will lead you through that valley. It's good to have a host. It's kind of a funny word. When I say funny, I I think I'll speak for myself. Like that's not a word that I use a lot. I I don't think of that as an exciting word. But as I was studying this, I got to thinking about a time that actually this word did mean a lot. When I first moved to Lubbock, I was 24, just graduated seminary. Lauren and I hadn't married yet. And I, did, I didn't know anybody. I knew the middle schoolers who I was the pastor working with middle schoolers, but that was about it. <laughs> but so many people in this church would call or text me or catch me after church and say, hey, I, we, we want to host you. We want to invite you over for dinner. And to a 24-year-old single guy, those are magic words. Right? <laughs> hey, hey, we want to invite you over to dinner. Well, what can I bring? Hey, you, you don't need to bring anything. You, you just come enjoy. Oh, man, 
Oh, you're grilling steaks? Oof. Hey, you just come enjoy and just, we just want you to just enjoy being with our family. Isn't it a nice thing when someone invites you over and they say, you don't bring anything, you just come delight. You just come enjoy. That's that's the picture here. That's what God does for us. And the reality is, even if we wanted to bring him something, we we can't. (laughs) He just says, hey, even on your worst day, even in the presence of your enemies, come and sit and delight and enjoy being in my presence. You have a shepherd. You have a defender. You have a host. Maybe you would say, okay, yeah, that's cute. Psalm 23, I've heard that before. But Brandon, I'm not sure God really sees me. Like, Brandon, you don't know the valley that I'm in right now. Doesn't feel like God is really aware of my hardship. Or, Or maybe it's a little different and you're saying, okay, okay, I hear that. But how can I know, how can I trust that, that now or when the next valley comes, how can I trust, how can I know that, that God has my back? That G, how can I know that Jesus is a good shepherd? How can I take that to the bank, so to speak? Well, you, you can know that because Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22. You're like, yeah, I know how to count. (laughs) See, Psalm 22, don't worry, I'm not cranking up for another sermon, don't worry. Psalm 22 is a prophecy about the sacrificial death of Jesus. 1,000 years before Christ came, 500 years before this kind of crucifixion was even invented, the kind of crucifixion that Jesus experienced, God places this chapter perfectly because it's almost like he knows what he's doing, right? He places chapter 22 right before 23. What does chapter 22 say? Just a few of the verses. Verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Verse six, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, like clay, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. How can you know, how can you trust that Jesus is a good shepherd? Because he laid down his life for you. He didn't just talk about it. No, he saw your need and was willing to come to this earth and experience the pain and hardship that most sheep do. And then he walked through the ultimate valley, the valley, the shadow of death on a cross and died for your sins. Friend, you can trust him. He is a good shepherd. So much so that it leads 
Paul to say, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans 8, Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. (laughs) No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, valley, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You have a shepherd. You have a defender. You have a host. Delight, rejoice, rest. We're fixing to enter into a time of response in just a moment. There'll be some folks after I pray, they'll be down here to pray with you, to encourage you, to answer questions. But I want to say this. If you are a Christian, uh, I want to ask you, are there one of those three that maybe the Lord is really stirring in your heart that you need to really just grab a hold on to, to grab and hold on to today? Trusting and knowing that, that God is your shepherd, that he is your defender, that he is your host. If you are in Christ, those are true statements of you. God calling you just to maybe enjoy one of those. If you don't know Jesus, the reality is you can. I love that it says the Lord is my shepherd. Not my sisters, not my brothers, not my daddies, not my mamas. Not my grandpas, not my, not our pastors. And the Lord is my shepherd. Friend, if, if you are willing to turn from your sin and turn to trust Jesus, that he is the good shepherd who died for you and three days later rose again, you're willing to believe that and confess him as Lord. Jesus, would you be my Lord? Would you be my shepherd? Would you be in charge of me? He will save you. He he will be your shepherd. You can call on him right now, wherever you're at. In the room, watch it online, watch it on TV months from now, whenever. You can call on him right now and he will be your shepherd. Simply turning from your sin and turning to trust in Jesus and what he's done for you. It's the best thing ever to be able to every day say the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to pray for us. And then after I pray, there'll be some folks down front that would love to pray with you, love to encourage you. If you don't need to come and talk with them, I'm going to ask you just in a second when we sing, just to talk with the Lord. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for 
your word. Thank you that in you, we have a shepherd, a defender, a host. God, when we rest in that, rejoice in that, when we remember that day in and day out. Well, I pray that even on those darkest nights that if there's nothing else we remember as children, that we, of children of God, would you just remind us that we have a shepherd and it's you, <laughs> the king of the universe. Lord, those that don't know you, would you draw them to yourself even right now as we sing? It's your name we pray, amen.